This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your hosts, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer Gabrielle Tyak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. And yes, you are on Joy 94.9. This is The Glow Show. I'm Will and... uh Joined by, oh, who else? Gabrielle Tyke. How are you, Gabby? I'm back. You're back. I was away. I was back. I was away, and I'm back again. I know you've just you're in and out, in and out, in and out, and and this yucky cold weather. How are you surviving? Oh, yesterday I was standing out at a transgender, gender diverse mm. celebration. You sent me the photo. Yeah, it was freezing. I know, and we were drenched, but we braved it all so that we could stand there and celebrate with our trans and gender diverse. I would have actually loved to have joined you all and given them all support, but I've had a bit of a cold and I've been stuck in bed, so you'll probably hear me croak every now and again. But it was wonderful. And and the fact that everyone, 100 or so people came, stood in the icy cold weather, stood in the rain, and no one said a a negative word because we all wanted to be there to celebrate some of the changes that have been happening to the the trans and gender diverse laws in in relation to driver's licence and birth certificates. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so it's good stuff. So it was a successful day. It was, really. Really good. And look, I couldn't not miss coming in tonight myself, although I probably should be staying in bed. You <laughs> should be in bed. You're going straight back after this. I think I will, but um, we, well, I could not miss tonight because we have an absolute fabulous guest in tonight. I'm yes. so proud that he's joined us. Well, it's taken us how many years has the Glow Show been going? <laughs> Assistant Commissioner Neil Patterson joins us this evening. Welcome, Neil. Neil, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, uh, Gabby, she said before that you've been, uh, well, she's been away and then back and then she's away again, but uh, uh, Gabby's just been to the uh, World LGBTI Conference for Criminal Justice Professionals, and I believe you were there as well. How was that? Um, listen, it was an amazing experience. This is the second time they've held this World Conference. This one was in Toronto in Canada. Uh, and I know that, um, you know, I'm in my 32nd year of policing and I've done my fair share of conferences over the years and I'm not a huge fan of conferences, but these sorts of conferences, this conference is absolutely food for the soul. Mm-hmm. There's some great discussions, some very good things that come out of them. So what are some of the things that you got out of it? Well, firstly, you'd go on a bit of a learning curve. So whilst as a um, as a gay man, I think I know pretty much uh, a lot about the uh, LGBTIQ community and different aspects of it, um, particularly as it relates to my experience experience in Victoria or Australia, but when you get the international community together, you start to learn at a very different pace. And um, despite my age, I'm still a bit of a sponge that um, once I hear information, I can soak it up pretty well, um, ingest that, and then start to think about how I can use that to affect change back in either my own community or or indeed how we can assist as a, as a Victorians, um, how we can assist some of our colleagues in the international community. Uh, community from some of our own learnings and experiences uh, on their journey as well. The Canadian's journey with um, the LGBTI community within the the police force, was there any synergy um, with the Australian or Victorian police force? Do you... you, 
find any parallels in history? Um, there are. Uh, what I would say, though, is that there's, you know, I'm well-travelled. There's synergies in any policing organisation anywhere in the world with yep. our experience here in Victoria Police. So most policing agencies start um, their history, you know, back many, many periods ago and ours uh, back in 1853 with just a, a male-based uh, uh, organisation. So you have a hyper-masculine culture um, and that's how most police agencies uh, um, um, start. So whether it's being gender diverse, let alone um, diverse in other ways of uh, sexual orientation or ethnicity. Um, policing agencies uh, have been very much... Um, the same uh, all around the world. The same all over. So um, with Canada, that's exactly the same. But there have been some differences um, in Canada that we uh, than what we've seen here. Um, and that was also really a learning curve uh, for me as well to hear about some of those differences. Now, in the, the sessions in Toronto, the, the the purge, which little Aussies know little about. What's, so run us by that a little bit. We didn't know anything about it until one of the um, Royal Canadian Mounted Police got up and, and at the dinner that we had mm. spoke about her great uncle who was involved in the purge. Yeah, listen... Um Again, you know, we like to think we're pretty well read, even in the international community, about things that affect the LGBTI community. But the purge in Canada was something that I had never heard about until hearing a very passionate speech one evening over a, a, a dinner by a Mountie about her great uncle and what the purge was in context of him. So the purge was something that um, happened in uh, Canada uh, across the federal public service from about the 1950s right up into the 1990s, early 1990s. Wow. And essentially it, 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 it um, started out of a fear that grew out of the Cold War that if you had uh, a lesbian or gay man that worked in the federal public service that they would be a weakness for exploitation by the Russians. So um, uh, they did a purge. They, they started to investigate people across not only the policing sphere but the the Royal Canadian Mounted Police were the ones responsible for the investigations across the Canadian federal public sector yep. and to hunt down the gay men and lesbians and essentially report on them and they would get uh, uh, interviewed often for many hours or days at a time and then uh, sacked or demoted or whatever out of the federal public service. Isn't it amazing how history repeats itself because we're now starting to see it, the same thing with China taking ownership of the... the famous application grinder and the Americans are now frantic trying to get ownership of that application back because they will see that this, this can be used against people within the public service, you know, whether it's politics or, or anything else. And it's amazing how in, the, in with different clothes, history repeats itself again. So it's the same sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, I would be worried uh, with the Chinese owning uh, uh, grinder because of um, their views around homosexuality and how that might be explained. Well, this is exactly what Canada went through. And as I said, it went through right up until the early 1990s. And the passionate story that um, one Mountie told was of her great uncle who was in the police over there and who was um, put under surveillance and observed going into a, a gay um, that was either a sauna or a nightclub. And that was their evidence to use against him that forced him out of the RCMP as a police officer, a career that he was um, um, really committed to. But there was many examples, people in the in the armed services, in other mm. sections of government. In, indeed, there's a great story um, of, of, a, of a chap called John Watkins, who was actually the Canadian ambassador to Moscow in the, uh, in the uh, mid-50s. 
And he'd come back to Canada and was working in the public sector. And in 1964, they decided that they were going to interview him and um, because they believed him to be a homosexual. They interviewed him for 27 days. 27 days. And on that 27th day, uh, he had a heart attack and died. Wow. That sort of history is littered through Canadian history about the purge, and as I, as Gabby said, we were blind to this. So mm. we we look now at Canada, 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 Canada as such a progressive country. You know, they did um, same sex marriage well before yeah. us. They've got a um, you know pretty progressive prime minister. We look at them as though they're leaders in some of this, but um, maybe they are. But they've had such a, a very poor history, and we didn't have this same history in terms of the purge because a little old Australia really wasn't that important in. Context of the Cold War, but certainly the US and, mm. and Canada had had a very much different role to play. Well, yeah, basically next to each other, working more hand in hand. I mean, yeah, we did have our issues and our problems too. Yes, but yeah, certainly not as highlighted as what there would in the, in that region. Now, and that's an interesting and fascinating story. And similar to when um, our government gave an apology, um, an expungement of men's records for being charged for being homosexual, um, Justin. A few years ago, gave an apology for the purge, mm. and they put together an amount of money to provide to people who are involved in the purge. Um, and it shows how deep set that fear is for the people that were involved in those times, because a lot of people wouldn't come forward to try to get um, compensation for being involved in those years, because they feared that that would still be used against them. And they actually had to get counselling some people to fill in the application for compensation, because they were still in that frame of mind that that would be used against them. So it was really poor for their mental health for all those years. I mean, happening perhaps in the 1950s up until the 1990s, that's a very long time and still living those ideas now that they couldn't talk about it or own up to being part of that. No, that's amazing. What's some of the other things that you got out of the conference apart from, um, you know, a bit of fascinating history and... Mm. Um, well, uh, you know, I'm not a, an expert on all trans issues, but I'm mm. one of those people that wants to learn and, and uh, soak up the information. We had some fantastic discussion, uh, both with a number of trans uh, police officers from all over the world. Um, and uh, in one particular session, we focused on um, some work that had been done out of the US in rating police agencies around um, how good they were on, on policy that addressed uh, not only uh, lesbian gay issues, but also so trans issues. And there was a, a really interesting discussion in, felt, in that many of the police agencies that have been um, reviewed felt that they were unfairly treated, whereas I took this different view on it and I said, well, it doesn't matter whether you've been unfairly um, scored in this particular report. Surely it's a, a report that creates conversation in your agency and you check against uh, the data and go, oh, it was right or wrong, and you make sure you're still on the road to improvement. Um, so you, there was many fantastic sessions and conversations, and indeed uh, myself and uh, Kristen Hilton, the um, Commissioner for the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission, did a joint presentation over there on the Proud Visible Safe report that uh, Veriok uh, did just recently into Victoria Police. Um, and... Uh, um, uh, whilst uh, Kristen covered off on the methodology and some of the fa facts and finding, I covered off on the storytelling in context of particularly Michael Main's story, who was a, a young police officer who had a, quite a traumatic journey in Victoria uh, Police some years back and subsequently left and a couple of years later took his own life. Um, but other stories as well um, in terms of some of our history in this regard. 
No, fascinating stuff. And I believe Gabby got up and did a bit of a speech as well. Was um, she good? Absolutely, Gabby's good. <laughs> I always hear good good feedback when Gabby's up there um, um, talking as she does so well. She did us proud by the sounds of it. One of the men that was in charge of the sound system yeah. said that he, he found my voice was so soothing yeah. that he just wanted to go to sleep to it. So I don't know whether that meant I was boring or he did like my voice, but we will, we will never know. Maybe he's asleep right now if he's listening to this. Um, but yeah, I think we, we need to have a break um, yep. and we'll come back and chat a little bit more with you, sir. It's been so interesting. Thank you for joining us. You're on the uh, Glow Show Joy 94.9. We have Assistant Commissioner Neil Patterson in the studio tonight. Stay tuned for some more. You're listening to the Glow Show on Joy. Back soon. Your community is our business. Joy 94.9. Welcome back. This is The Glow Show on Joy. We're back on The Glow Show. It's Monday night. It's cold and wintry. It's horrible. But we're warming up because there's really interesting conversation going on. I know. It's absolutely fantastic. Assistant Commissioner Neil Patterson has recently come back from Toronto where he was with me and a number of other police from around the world. I think there was about 175. Yeah, that's right. Um, 15 countries. Yeah, from the Second World LGBTI LGBT Conference for Criminal Justice Professionals. The first one was Amsterdam, the second one was Toronto, and the third one... Oh, yeah. Um, well, that, was, um, that, that was a big, well-kept secret for the conference. Mm. Um, I know that uh, we'd done our homework beforehand and we'd, I'd been really itching um, in terms of <laughs> talking to the Canadians about getting the opportunity to host the third conference, and absolutely, that's exactly what we're doing. I remember um, having the opportunity to pitch it to our Chief Commissioner, Graham Ashton, and uh, took about two seconds for him to say, the fabulous idea, let's do it. And, um, and uh, you know, we spoke to the, to the government as well, and they were very keen, and we announced that at the conference, the Toronto conference in June, that the Victoria Police and the State of Victoria would be hosting the third such conference in January of 2020. 23. Now, whilst that sounds like a long way off... That's five um, minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> We're all getting older. It might be my age, I don't know, but time passes so quickly. It it's does, three and yeah. a half years away, um, which will give us a, a, a lot of good time to organise what what we hope will be one of the one of the, a fantastic conference here in Australia. So how many countries uh, attended the Canadian Toronto conference? And so are you expecting the same, or if not more, for Melbourne? So the first conference in Amsterdam, they actually had 26 countries attend, and I think that was partly about the conference being in Europe. Mm, so you definitely. had a number of the Europeans that could easily get there. Um, Canada had 15 countries attend, um, about 175 attendees. So uh, distance ex- will be our challenge. Um, well, yes and no. Um, I think that um, you speak to many of our policing colleagues and there's such an attraction to come to Australia. Of yeah. course. Um, so it's whilst it's in our pride midsummer period, which is uh, what, why it's uh, put in the January, that's, that's winter time in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so we anticipate we'll get... Uh, very good representation by quite a number of countries uh, that wanting wanting to come down here. And indeed, uh, both Gabby and I would have had already feedback from dozens and dozens that say, absolutely, I will be there. Um, mm. And even people that weren't able to make the Toronto conference that we know from Amsterdam have already said, yep, I'm absolutely coming to this one. And they've got three and a half years to save. Correct. Or... Um 
convince their bosses to pay for them, one or the other. Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if they're going to travel this distance, um, one would think they'd probably tack on a few days or a week and uh, see some more of Victoria or Australia uh, on that journey as well. And uh, we'd, we'd like to encourage them to do that. But now our task is to make sure we put together a, a, a good conference program. And I've got no doubt that we're going to be able to do that and get up uh, a class of speaker similar to what we've seen at the last two conferences and do Victoria and Victoria Police proud for the uh, 2023 conference. I can't really speak for my airline, but it sounds like something that would be a good idea for any of our national airlines here to, you know, be a sponsor and support and something well, that we could all have a bit of a chat about, I reckon. Uh, yes, well, I've already started that chat oh, because I, I do have friends uh, <laughs> in, the, in the airline industry. And, um, Including Will. <laughs> and started that chat uh, already um, in terms of sponsorship and uh, We've already been thinking. Now, what? Now, what, you've had uh, fifteen countries attend. Um, I would say that Australia or Victoria, uh, the Canadian Mounted Police, would be probably the more progressive police force. Would you agree? No doubt. Mm-hmm. What would be some of the police forces that attended that were you were surprised? I mean, like the Saudi police force didn't attend, for example, but. Were there some countries that attended? It's like, wow, you guys are glad to see you here and you've obviously, you know, in the beginnings you've got a lot to learn. Um, so certainly in the Amsterdam conference, I remember being aware of some of that much more than um, this time uh, in that um, uh, there was a number of countries there that, you know, there was a gay man from, from Greece and he felt that like he was the only gay man in the police force. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't come to Canada. Um, uh, I'm not sure why, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be uh, back out for, for the one in, in Australia. But we had Zambia wow. um, yeah. uh, there, an assistant commissioner from Zambia, and she was at the conference in, in uh, the Netherlands as well. Um, we had, um, uh, 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 you know, a, a fantastic trans uh, lady from um, Belgium and um, whilst the Belgians had been to the conference in the Netherlands, it was just so in- interesting to hear from her and she was just so passionate on a number of days because she family fight, felt like she was almost coming home to people that understood her experience in policing. And, you know, we might be 2019, Australia's a progressive country, hmm. Canada's a progressive country, but not everywhere is, and some people really suffer yeah. in their home police agencies for just being an out LGBTI member in their home agency. Yeah, it's an issue within as well as uh, outside the police. You know? Well, well yeah. it is, and, and, and that's one of my points that I yeah. make um, all the time is um, I'm not sure how any policing agency is expecting to get the trust and confidence of a community if they can't treat their own employees well. Exactly. So you've got to get it right in your home backyard if, if, if you've got it right there, then you can perhaps get it right with trust and confidence in the community that you serve. Hmm. You're on the Glow Show Joint 94.9. We have Assistant Commissioner Neil Patterson in the studio with us tonight, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, Neil, I really want to um, talk about an issue that's close to my heart. Uh, it's probably a little bit sensitive uh, and uh, something that the Victorian Police just recently suffered. Uh, mental illness within any industry is an issue. It is a problem, and I think we need to talk about it a lot more. Um, you've recently had the death, tragically, of a, a fellow police officer in the recent weeks. Uh, Gabby was away last week attending that funeral. Um, and Neil actually spoke at that funeral. You spoke at that funeral. Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Brenton was a uh, was a friend of mine. Okay, it's it must be a very tough issue to deal with. Uh, do you recognise that there's 
a lot of work to do within the Victorian Police Force when it comes to the topic of mental illness. I think there's a lot of work to do across the whole of community. Correct. Yep. And we're part of community. And so we've started a journey on improving our, our Victoria Police, that is, has started a journey on improving our knowledge and awareness of mental health. And um, we've done um, a, a review and we've got recommendations out of that. And we're well on a road. But that road isn't just a two-year road. It's no. over many years to improve our knowledge and the care for we that we provide for our people in terms of in terms of mental health. And um, I did speak at Brenton's funeral, and I think one of the things that we're often uh, afraid to speak about, generally in community and also in policing, is is the word suicide mm. and um, taking someone's own life. And I spoke at the funeral and I said, one of the things we still do as a police agency is, you know, often uh, if a member dies, we'll send out a, um, a global email or put something up on the internet. And if they've died after a long illness of cancer or something, we, we essentially state that. But when someone takes their own life, it's this um, sudden and, you know, died suddenly or whatever. And then somewhere hidden down the bottom is the number for our welfare organisations, etc. If we're going to deal with suicide, we need to have a conversation about it. It's not a conversation we can hide from. We need to be um, uh, courageous and talk about it in a way that people um, feel that they could then come forward and talk about it if they ever felt suicidal or had suicidal ideation or any other poor mental health aspect. We need to make sure, particularly for our own people, that they are comfortable, that they know the organisation and they trust us that they come forward and we're going to help them and support them um, and uh, get them back on track so that they can continue in what for most people in Victoria Police is a very passionate career in, in policing and helping the community that they serve. I'd like to discuss that in a little bit more depth or a little bit more clarity. Now, in my industry, I'm, I'm ABA. Um, I know among my colleagues, if they were to mention that I have a mental health issue problem, that they may lose their license, whether it be a part, their pilot's license or their engineering license. Uh, and you, you just can't go out to another suburb or another uh, district and get a, a same job again. If you lose your license, it, it's, it, it's the end of you. So they have a lot of fear and that fear is unwarranted. Now, do you have the same problem in the police force where members might be scared to say, listen, I'm just not coping at the moment and they may fear they lose their job? Absolutely we do. Um, no matter what changes we've made over recent years, people will still be uh, unsure about the true effects of um, how they'll be treated in the organisation if they step forward mm. um, and identify that they may have had or are having a period of poor mental health. Uh, we're changing as a police agency um, uh, for the better, thank goodness, but we've still got a way to go. So it's a relevant fear for people to have, but what I can say is it's um, um, it, it's not, not now a logical fear, but we've still got to put scores on the board so that our members understand that that's the case, that they see it by example. Others that have voiced um, a concern about their mental health, that they have um, had a period of time to recover and that they're back doing the job that they love. Mm. We need other people to be aware and see that and that's how you build trust in an organisation um, and uh, we're absolutely on that journey. Yeah, and always once the best analogy that I've always used is if someone has a mental illness to me, it's the same as a broken arm or a broken leg. And if you have a police officer or a work member uh, who has broken his leg, whether it be in or out of work, you don't expect him to go running down the street chasing criminals or doing his normal job function. You provide him the support or him or her the support, the time to recover. And then once they're there, you say, there, you can go out back on the street. And I think a lot of people need to understand that a broken leg 
should be treated the same as mental illness and mental illness should be treated the same as a broken leg. With that analogy, you know, people need time to recover, to heal, and quite often, nine times out of ten, they can go back out and perform just as well and just as brilliantly. I think it's a fantastic analogy, but um, um, I'm ha- unhappy, but um, I-, I have to own my history in this space as well. And, you yeah. know, I look back in my early times in the organisation, um, we cut our teeth on dealing, you know, often with people in community with very poor mental health. And um, as a very young um, supervisor in the organisation, I, I remember thinking that if, a, if one of my colleagues had poor mental health, that was probably the end of their career. Mm. Um, I've certainly learned a lot over those uh, preceding uh, couple of decades, and I know that that's absolutely not the case. And I've seen so many of our people um, that I know and love and respect um, have a period in their life that has been um, uh, hard for them to get through in terms of mental health, but they're back, they're contributing to the community exactly, if not better than, if not better. Yeah. than the way they did before. Because what, what I find is if you've gone through a mental health problem, you return understanding so much more about mental health, having so much more compassion and empathy for others in community. And that's what we want in our police out there that are serving community. This is something that's a broad issue in community. And let's be honest, we live, most of us live quite long lives and we see some terrible things, not just in the policing services and emergency services. We go through crises in our lifetime. So there wouldn't be many of us that haven't had some kind of anxiety or, or depression throughout our life. And and we get through that, we work through it, but most of us seek help. And that's why we've got to have these conversations because it's what we all experience at some time or another. Yeah, no. Neil, uh, look, thank you very much for coming in tonight. Uh, really, really proud to have you in the studio and um, you've been doing some fantastic work and you should be really, really proud of the work that you're doing. It was fantastic for you tonight to talk about uh, some of the mental health challenges that have faced the Victorian Police Force, continue to face them and that you are uh, attacking them and, and working towards these challenges even today. So thank you very much for thank that. You. That's brilliant. And Gabby? We'll be putting the numbers for Lifeline and Switchboard in the show notes. And also coming up in the next week or two, I've got some interviews with some of the police that I did overseas in Toronto, so they'll be interesting. We'll be playing them and having a chat, chat about those. We will be. You've been listening to The Glow Show on Joy 94.9. Stay safe. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make the Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tyak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.